Hello, beloved, and welcome to this evening's message uh, on the book of Revelation. So exciting to be busy with uh, the book of Revelation. We are busy with chapter 5 now, and we're going to look at verse 6 this uh, evening. And, And one of the amazing things about the book of Revelation is it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. That's it's our Savior, it's our King, it's our Master, it's our Lord, it's our the the one that is and was and is to come. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the bright morning star. He's the lily of the valleys. He's he is everything. He's the focal point of the whole of Scripture, and it kind of culminates into the Book of Revelation, where we have the revelation of Jesus Christ, apocalyptical um, literature that speaks about the end and what is going to happen at the end. So amazing uh, to look at this. Before we continue, though, let's just have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can have the book of Revelation, that we can study it and that there's a blessing in studying it because we get to know Christ better. Thank you, Father, that we have the privilege to come to you as the living almighty God and ask you to reveal your word to us, to open it up for us, Father. There's so many things, especially apocalyptic literature, it's, it's hard to understand because it's symbolic language, it's figurative language. But Father, you've given it to us and you've, you've said that there's a blessing for those who study the book of Revelation. So Father, we, we desire to know more. We, know, we desire to know more about Christ. We desire to get to know Him because He is our Savior. So Father, I pray, please open up our hearts and open up our minds and enable me as your servant to teach your people so that at the end of the day, Father, you may be glorified in and through uh, the studying of the book of Revelation. As we pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, beloved, Revelation chapter 5, verse 6 And it says, And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne, and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as though he had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Now, just for a moment, just draw this picture in your mind, or or kind of see this picture in your mind. In the midst of the elders and of the throne, there's a lamb, right? We know that Jesus Christ is the lamb of God who, who, who was slaughtered, took the sins of his people upon himself as he died uh, a cruel, cruel, cruel death on Golgotha, right? But look at this picture here, because this is a vision. Eh? This is John looking at the same vision that we were looking at um, up to this point in, in chapter 5. All right, but here is uh, a lamb, right? He stood as though this lamb had been slain. And we know that the one lamb that was slain for the sins of his people was Christ. So this lamb that is spoken about here is Jesus Christ. But then it, it, it tells us, or John tells us what he saw was that this lamb had seven horns and seven eyes. Beloved, that's weird. That's weird. We don't know lambs like that. So what, what John is, uh, is showing us here, this vision that he's revealing to us, this vision that he speaks about, is definitely not a normal lamb, as we know lambs. Definitely. 
can't be because this lamb has seven horns and seven um, eyes. All right. And then the seven eyes are basically the seven spirits of God that was sent out into all of the earth. Just amazing. So what we have here is we have a picture, right? We have something that we need to look at in the sense of this cannot be a, a lamb, a real lamb, all right? Because a real lamb has two eyes and two horns when they grow bigger, okay, or older. So this is a, a vision of something symbolic, something that is figurative, because it's apocalyptic literature. All right. And when we look at it, obviously we look at it now and we say, all right, what does it mean? When it comes to the vision itself, we say to one another that John is actually looking at the same scene. Okay, but obviously there are more things than... How can I say that was revealed before? Né? So, same scene, but we are seeing more things. It's almost as if he is astonished. You know, John, when he says, And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as though he had been slain. So, when he says, behold, he's actually astonished. At what he sees. All right. And and here we see Christ at the throne. All right. And he's very near to the 24 el- um how can I say the 24 elders which are representatives of all the saints of all the ages now. Now this is an unusual thing for Jesus is at the right hand of God. All right. And Jesus goes and he takes the book and he opens it. In the, as in, in dreams and many symbolisms. Now we, we see that dreams and symbolism things are, are present here. All right. So Jesus, this lamb, is in the midst of the throne. It's kind of where else would we expect to see Christ? Where else? He's, he's the central figure in the whole of the book of Revelation. In fact, Jesus is the central figure in the whole of the scriptures. Everything revolves around Christ. The Old Testament points towards the, the, the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. Okay? The New Testament tells us how it happened. And then the New Testament also tells us how Jesus is going to return. Everything is about Christ. Right. Now, think about this. Here is Jesus Christ in the midst of the throne, now, with the 24 elders, with the, the, these living beings. But we've seen previously how Jesus is in the midst of his church. Remember when he was speaking to the church as the head of the church? Uh, speaking to the angel of the church or the messenger of the church? And, and what he does is... He's in the midst of the church. Here he's in the midst of the throne. And it's the place for Christ to be. Because he takes the central spot in the whole of the revelation of Scripture. And here in this passage we see him 
as the perfect lamb that was sacrificed. Oh. And, and we need to understand that everything that he is surrounded by is significant to the church. All right, Jesus is the central figure of all of this, obviously, but everything that surrounds Jesus Christ is significant to him and to his church. Now, we know that Jesus is definitely in the midst of the four Gospels. Now, if you read the four Gospels, what do we see? We see that Jesus Christ is the central theme of all four of the Gospels. You know, many times um, thoughts and things come to us. Now, as we are viewing something that, that are not something that we see with our eyes, and here we see John realize that the death of the Lamb uh, is implicated here. And also uh, his death, obviously his death, his burial and his resurrection is implicated here because he's like a lamb as though he had been slain. So the death of the lamb or the death of Jesus Christ uh, is implicated or is realized or uh, is, is spoken about here. And obviously, if we speak about the death of the Lamb, then we will speak about the burial of the Lamb and the resurrection of the Lamb. Because Jesus Christ is the Lamb, and the central, how can I say, the gospel is central to all of this. Some commentaries say that when Christ completed the work of redemption, he earned the title deeds of the, of the earth, you know? Uh, and they say, as sin came through Adam, so through Christ came redemption. All right, so through Adam came sin and the curse came upon the world. But uh, the second Adam, which is Jesus Christ, through him came redemption. And it's, it's as if the completed work of Jesus Christ basically means that Jesus uh, could take the title deeds of the church. Uh, sorry, the title deeds of the earth. He could take it back. All right. As if the title deeds of the earth had been lost. We know that Satan is called the God of this world and that he works in the sons of disobedience. We know that. So maybe it's like that. The, the title deeds of the earth uh, were basically stolen by Satan through the deception of Adam and Eve. And Jesus Christ, the second Adam, comes along and he just takes the title deeds back after his death, burial, and resurrection. When he, when he rises from the dead, uh, he goes and he takes the title deeds of the earth back because he conquered. All right, so it doesn't matter how. When we look at this, this picture that we see before us, this, this painting that is being painted before us, it is such a beautiful picture that we, we see here. You know, we're looking at Christ Jesus in his glory. No? Obviously, as a lion, and that indicates his power and his might. But John sees him as a sacrificial lamb. Because John looks at Christ in, in the sense, when he looks at this vision, he looks through the eyes of faith. You see, the, those who reject Christ will see him as the lamb, as the, as the lion, sorry. 
when he comes to judge and to reign over the earth. But for John, he sees him as the sacrificial lamb, the one who brought redemption, the one who bought us uh, and, and, and freed us from the power and the bondage and the control of sin over our lives. But obviously those who reject Christ, they won't look at Christ as a lamb that was, that was slaughtered, a lamb that laid down his life for his people. They won't look at him like that. But they will see him as the, as the lion, yeah. the lion that comes to judge and to, to reign. You see, but for us as believers, we look at Jesus Christ as the sacrificial lamb. And it's such a beautiful picture of Christ. Now, we know that this lamb, uh, according to what, what John had seen in this vision, is he saw this lamb with seven horns. And basically what it means is that these seven horns indicate that all power belongs to the Lamb. All power belongs to Jesus Christ. It, so it basically indicates that this Lamb is not weak, not weak at all. When you look at a passage like, for example, Zechariah chapter 1, we see that a horn in Scripture indicates power. And beloved, when Christ came the first time as a lamb led to slaughter, right? He displayed certain powers, but he did not, how can I say, manifest all of his power. Now, he showed certain things. He could do miracles. He could heal the sick. He could raise the, 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 the dead. He could um, restore the sight of people who are blind. He could forgive people's sin. So many things that Jesus could do. But it didn't, or he didn't show all of his power because he was the God-man that came for a specific purpose. But when he comes the next time, it will be as a lion. And this will be at his glorious appearing. You see, it will be in the manifestation of his omnipotence. His all-consuming power when Jesus Christ comes again. It's going to be so different. Eh? In his first coming, here's the lamb led to slaughter. He didn't say a word. He gave himself um, to be slaughtered for our sin and our transgressions. He gave himself as a servant to his disciples and to sinners. He, he basically laid down his life. For sinners. But beloved, when he comes again, it's not going to happen. It's not going to be like that. Right? It will be a manifestation of his omnipotence. It will be a manifestation of his all-consuming power. Now, it's interesting in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, we, we see the following. And it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, that's to the disciples, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. See, Jesus spoke these words himself after his resurrection. So after the resurrection, he says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Who has the authority? Jesus Christ. Who has all the power? Jesus Christ has it. All right. And these seven horns represents the, this power, this authority that Jesus Christ has. Because it's 
speaking about him, that's the lamb with seven horns. But then, as well, he has seven eyes. And, and it basically means that Jesus Christ has all wisdom and all understanding. Because it says in, the, uh, in, in our verse that he has seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all of the earth. You see, these eyes speak of the judgment of our Lord, now, including uh, the seven characteristics of the Holy Spirit now, that rested upon Jesus Christ. And it basically rests on him in, without measure because the Holy Spirit is the one that came upon Christ. Now, remember when the Holy Spirit came down on him and said, this is my beloved son? At that moment, the Holy Spirit was the one who enabled Christ to take up all authority later on after he rose from the grave. Absolutely amazing. Now, beloved, when our Lord comes, when Jesus Christ comes back to this earth, he will know all that human beings have ever thought or done. He will know it. Why? Because he was fully human. All right? And, and every deed will be brought into judgment. Why? Because he is the judge. He is God. He was God incarnate when he came the first time, obviously. But it's absolutely amazing when Jesus returns, he's going to come as the judge, first king for a thousand years. And he's going to reign on this earth from the throne of David in Jerusalem. But then later on, we see him as the judge. It's, it's, yo, it's amazing. And these seven eyes are basically, how can I say, if, if you talk about seven eyes, it speaks about perfection. Because seven is God's number of perfection. When Jesus Christ, the lion of the tribe of Judah, when he comes to judge the world at the end of the tribulation, it will be as the perfect judge. Now, because we're talking about the seven eyes is the means, it's the seven, how can I say, is the, word, uh, the number of perfection. So he, Jesus Christ, will be the perfect judge as he was the perfect one who redeemed us. As he was the perfect one who paid the penalty for our sin and did it perfectly. And it's amazing. He will be the perfect judge and he has all the power and he knows everything about human beings. Because he was human himself. It, it, we should also just kind of keep in mind that Jesus was the sacrificial lamb. And people rejected him. We need to remember that. He, him, Christ Jesus, who was perfect and will come as the perfect judge, he was rejected by his own people. They rejected him. Beloved, but at his second coming, people can reject him if they want, but it's not going to work because he's coming as the judge. And every person will come before the judge and every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The sacrificial lamb will be the lion of the tribe of Judah. He will be the great judge with all the authority and all the power. That's who he is. All right, and then our, our verse also speaks about the seven spirits of God. Nah? 
Now, the seven spirits basically doesn't mean that there are seven different spirits. Okay? It doesn't mean that God the Holy Spirit consists of seven different spirits, just as, um, yeah, let's, let's say it like that. But what it means is that we are looking at the seven characteristics of the one Holy Spirit. All right, we should keep in mind that these characteristics are not limited to uh, his role in heaven, yeah? or his role during the tribulation period, or his role during the church age. It's basically eternally part of the Holy Spirit. Okay, these seven characteristics—that's basically, if you look at the Holy Spirit is who the Holy Spirit is. It characterizes the Holy Spirit. Because when, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, now in addition to the fruit of the Spirit that we read about in Galatians 5 verse 22, we should expect to kind of, um, can we say manifest some of the, these characteristics of the Holy Spirit? Because if the Holy Spirit dwells within us, um, his character is in us because he is in us. Ne? And uh, the seven spirits or the seven characteristics of the Holy Spirit is basically the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, of power, of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. And these things should basically be characterized in each one of our lives. We, we should see it in our lives as believers because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. All right? We should show forth, firstly, the Spirit of the Lord, which means Lord is Master, King, the highest in authority, now supreme in, in, in authority. So what should we see as a believer and we should see it, see it um, in, in the lives of all believers, is that the Holy Spirit will remind us of Jesus Christ as our Lord. Besides the fact that the Holy Spirit reminds us of what Jesus said and what Jesus taught, he's also going to remind us that Jesus is Lord. All right? And the Holy Spirit... Obviously, being the Holy Spirit and the third person of the Trinity that is dwelling within us, the Holy Spirit um, will manifest himself as Lord of our lives. We will be subject to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the guidance, direction that the Holy Spirit gives in our lives. But it's also the spirit of wisdom. That's why Scripture tells us if you need wisdom, James says, then pray. Ask for wisdom. Where does the wisdom then come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit. It's a characteristic of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom. So if we need wisdom, we, we get it from the Holy Spirit. The same thing with understanding. Because he is the spirit of understanding. If we, if we need understanding about who, uh, things about God, things about spiritual um, things, that kind of thing, who's going to reveal it to us? It is going to be the Holy Spirit. It is one of his characteristics. But he's also called, or one of his characteristics is, he's the spirit of counsel. If we want good counsel, solid biblical counsel, we pray and we ask God. And how does he give us that counsel? 
through the Holy Spirit that will lead us to his word and he will reveal his word to us and he will remind us what is written so that at the end of the day we can have good counsel from the Holy Spirit because that's one of his characteristics. Right? But he's also the spirit of power. Remember, Jesus said to the disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my disciples in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth in Acts chapter 1.8. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us power to be witnesses, to testify, to preach the gospel, to, to share the good news. It is the Holy Spirit that works from within. And that's one of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. He gives us the power to be able to be effective witnesses for the gospel. Right? But it's also the spirit of knowledge. Beloved, if we need to know something, and, and, and it doesn't say, I mean, that he's, the Holy Spirit is like Google. You know, where you, you need some worldly uh, knowledge and then you, you Google it and you get an answer. That's not the purpose. Or that's not the characteristic of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is uh, the spirit of knowledge in the sense of knowing Christ, knowing God, knowing or understanding spiritual things. The Holy Spirit is the one because that's his character. Right? And then also the fear of the Lord. Who works adoration and fear in us for the Lord, for, for God? Obviously, it's the Holy Spirit. We don't have it in ourselves. But the Holy Spirit works it in us because it's one of the characteristics of the Spirit. All right. Beloved, the seven spirits of God basically means that um, every single characteristic of the Spirit of God basically dwelt in Christ. Obviously, in Christ, in His fullness. Nah? With us, um, the Holy Spirit is there. We ask Him. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit as well. It's the Holy Spirit that works His fruit in and through our lives. But we grow in it. The same thing with our character. Our character has to change all the time, and it will change all the time. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit enables us to become more and more Christ-like all the time. All right. Remember that Jesus Christ has all of the fullness of the Godhead dwelling in him bodily. Ne? Amazing. Absolutely amazing. That's why Jesus stood out. Because when the Holy Spirit came upon him, the third person of the Trinity, um, it, it was just shown through the life of Christ. It was clear. Now, our text speaks about the seven spirits of God that are sent forth uh, into the earth. Um, and basically, it is... The Holy Spirit, with his characteristics, going out into the world to, let's say, enable the church to, to be what God wants the church to be. Okay. Because remember, it is the Holy Spirit that works the gifts, his gifts. Nah? He works it in and through us, in and through his church. Okay? And we find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where we, we, we see the, the spiritual gifts that comes through the Holy Spirit. And now we see that there are character traits 
that the Holy Spirit has, that He works through us. And we see this fruit of the Spirit that also works in and through us, that becomes evident in our lives as the Holy Spirit works in and through us more and more and more and more. Absolutely amazing. Beloved, and, and the, the, the gifts of the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit works through us, um, He doesn't want us to be ignorant. What he wants us to do is to know that the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is the one who gives, this, uh, how can I say, that works the gifts in and through the church. He is the one who gives character to the church. To In the church, I'm talking about believers now. Ne? And it's the Holy Spirit who um, allows the church to bear fruit that will honor God. But when it comes to the gifts... In Romans chapter 12, it tells us about this word of knowledge, this word of wisdom, uh, knowledge and faith and healing and miracles and prophecy and discernment and tongues and interpretations of tongues. And we've seen in the New Testament how God used these miracles in the lives of the apostles, uh, these, these, um, the application of these Gifts are definitely different now than what it was when the church was still established, being established, when the Canaan was still being established, and uh, the foundation of the church was still being laid by the apostles and the prophets. And, and they used these gifts for laying foundation. We have the revelation. We have the Bible. But still, we need God, the Holy Spirit, to enable us to to uh, how can I say to have gifts that we can use within the body to edify one another and to at the same time um, do what God wants us to do all right beloved it's important that we need to understand that seven is a number of completeness we can also speak about it's the fullness of the spirit and it's so amazing that it's the Spirit that goes out over all the earth, and obviously He's the one who goes and works, and, sh and, and, and how can I say, uh, places His character or works His character in and through believers, so that it can be visible that believers belong to Christ, because they're different. They have the fruit of the Spirit. They have the, the character of the Spirit. And they have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Beloved, this is amazing. Absolutely amazing. But this is what God works in and through us. Okay? So, going back to our verse. And this is what John says. He says, I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as though he had been slain. And we know this is Jesus Christ having seven horns, which means power. And he has seven eyes, which is explained in the verse, which says it's the seven spirits of God that is sent out into all the earth. And this is the, 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 the number of completion. It is the Holy Spirit who does this amazing work in the church, in believers. He, he works his character in and through us. Okay? He works his gifts in and through us. And he works his fruit in and through us. Oh, beloved, it is absolutely amazing. And, and we can see. 
the triune God being once again visible in this verse. Look at it. And I looked and behold in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though he had been slain. That's Christ, the second person of the Trinity. It says, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. So what we have here is God, the Holy Spirit, the third person, and God, the Father, the first person of the, of the triune God. Beloved, but it's such a beautiful picture. So amazing that we can look at this and it, it just gives us more knowledge about Christ. No? And we need to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But it also tells us something more about the Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Because He goes out into um, all of the earth so that His fruit and His character and, um, how can I say, and, and, and yeah, His fruit and His character can be worked in and through believers in the church. To the glory of God. And that's our verse. Beloved, isn't it absolutely beautiful? Now I hope and pray that it just gives us a little bit of a better glimpse or a more of a glimpse of Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ. And that's the book we're working with. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can study your word. Thank you so much that we can learn more about Christ. And above all, thank you, Father, that your Spirit, that God the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, that he dwells within us and that we can can show forth the fruit of the Spirit, that we can show forth the character of the Holy Spirit. Oh, Father, we, we thank you. We praise you for you are worthy to be praised. We pray, Father, that during this week and the weeks to come, as we study and get to know more and more and more about Christ, may our testimonies, as the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us the power to testify, Father, I pray, please, will you enable us to share the good news of the gospel to a dying world because they need Christ. Father, and for us, we need more knowledge of Christ. We need to to understand who he is and what he has done for us. This we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Beloved, thank you very much for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he give you his peace. God willing, until next time, bye-bye.